Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Onright. This is Quick Dick Quick Dick coming to you from Tufnell, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Steel Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, Hockey Net in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Great one on tap for you today. Before we get to that, let's get to today's episode sponsors. Clinton team over at Trophy Gallery, championship belts, custom medals, die-cast signage, name tags, engraving on Yetis and Brewmates, business awards and crystal and glass. Uh, Clint has done everything you know we ran the dusty man the dusty man tournament was the this is the first year we haven't ran it since 2012 um obviously due to current circumstances hopefully in march maybe we'll get it rolling again but uh clint has done all the trophies for us and they are top notch you can't get anything better than clint he also ships canada wide go to trophygallery.ca shop online over 5,000 products use newman Promo code Newman for 15% off. Any sport, anytime, bodybuilding to hockey, visit Trophy Gallery. Clay Smiley over at Profit River. Profit River is a retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serving all of Canada. They specialize in importing firearms from the United States, hard-to-find calibers, rare firearms, special editions. Make sure you check them out at ProfitRiver.com. I'm teaming up with the Lloydminster Regional Health Foundation for Giving Tuesday Radiothon December 15th to help raise money for the hospital. We'll be doing a 12-hour, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Facebook live stream where we'll sit down with different people from the community to share stories about the hospital and why it is so important to our so important to our community. Uh, you know, guests are starting to range from uh, Mr. Shep. He's been a guest on the podcast. Brandy Hofer, she's been a guest on the podcast. Uh, we're going to have some call-ins from guys like Scott Hartnell, Wade Redden. It's going to be a cool uh, 12-hour radiothon, hoping uh, to raise some money. Last year, we raised $50,000 for a new Pixis automated pill dispensing machine. This year, we're looking to do it, to exceed that goal uh, with money going to upgrades uh, to the hospital and a couple other projects going on in the border city. I know times are tough, but man, our community, when times are tough, that's when the best shine. So, be on the lookout December 15th, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's going to be a Facebook live stream for 12 hours raising money for the Lloyd Minster Hospital. HSI Group, they're the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliant system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial, livestock, and agricultural applications. I saw their van out front of the old uh, studio um, building last week. And it looks like uh, maybe some installation of some cameras coming in here, which is pretty cool. Uh, they use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Make sure you give, if you're interested, give Brody or Kim a call, 306-825-6310, or stop in 3902 52nd Street. Gartner Management is a Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. Whether you're looking for something like what I got, just a small little office space, or 6,000 square foot uh, commercial space, give Wade Gartner a call, 780-808-5025. Shout out to the team over at Read and Write for the SMP billboard. If you're looking for billboards, man, they know how to put them together. Uh, a, a shout out as well to Deanna Wandler for uh, 
you know, her creative input on that one. If you're heading into any of these businesses, I know COVID is wreaking, uh, you know, is causing some problems on, on getting into some of these businesses. But if you do get in there, make sure you tell them you heard about them on the podcast. And if you're inter- interested in advertising on the show, visit SeanNewmanPodcast.com. In the top right corner, hit the contact button and send me your contact information. we got lots of different options, and I want to find something that can work for the both of us. Now, let's get on to that T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. He currently resides in Edmonton, Alberta, a former goalie who played for St. FX. He has his master's in sports psychology and a master's in counseling psychology. He's worked with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, Alberta Chartered Accountants, equestrian riders, volleyball, basketball, and hockey players. A former goalie coach for the Ottawa Senators and Edmonton Oilers, he spent many years working in the WHL as well. He is most notable for his work with Braden Holpe and Carter Hart. I'm talking about John Stevenson. So buckle up, here we go. This is John Stevenson, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mr. John Stevenson. So first off, uh, thanks for hopping on. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks so much. Now, you... Before we even started, I had a, a couple of different little fun things to get going with, but you mentioned you've never tried alcohol before, like never a drop? Accidentally once, uh, <clears throat> I thought somebody had said there was a, a Coke and the, the Coke for me, so I took it and sure enough, it was a rum and Coke. That was the only time I, and I was like, oh, right, and like that was the only time I've ever uh, touched alcohol. I'm but curious. Unfortunately, unfortunately I, I lost... Um, a friend when he was 16 years old and um, his mom um, had purposely had an, an open casket service. And this is going to sound a little bit strange, but um, he was a, a really good looking guy. And he was like, he, he did a lot of modeling actually. And uh, when they had the service, you, you walk by and you're like, who, who was that? And not to be disrespectful, but it was just, it was just, I, to this day, it just gives me chills. And that was kind of the, the first thing that just um, made me aware of, of alcohol. And uh, to this day, it just has a very, you know, sad and lingering effect. And, and, it, and literally, he had two beer that night. And uh, he just went off a country road and uh, unfortunately killed himself. Ah, shit. That's... And, that, uh, and I, you, you, had, you and I had mentioned before, like I went to um, St. Francis Xavier University and um, kind of um, a wake-up call. I, I, I saw a lot of stuff on the campus, um, just a lot of negative stuff with alcohol involved. And that just, again, reassured, like reaffirmed for me that um, I can have fun without it. Uh, I've never touched drugs. I've never touched alcohol. Um, and that was, those were kind of things, um, you know, <clears throat> playing hockey and I, I grew up in Sherwood Park. I grew, I grew up in Toronto first, but I grew up in Sherwood Park and, and I'm sure you, you know, you go to these bush, bush parties and stuff like that. And, um, just from my, from my perspective, I just didn't see a lot of great, great stuff around it. And so that's, uh, that's how I just chose not to, to get involved in that. I, I could, 
And for me, I thought I could just, and I did, I had just as much fun without it. Um, I think sometimes some people thought I was <laughs> drinking alcohol. Um, but no, that, that was kind of my experience around that. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, well, alcohol is just so commonplace. It just, it is. And I mean, um, I think of myself, I played senior hockey in my hometown of Hillmont, Saskatchewan for nine years. And one of my favorite parts was uh, the socializing after just having a beer or two in the dressing room. It's those will be some of my best memories, which is odd to say, you know, uh, when I look back on life, like I had so much fun in that dressing room, uh, sitting and getting to know guys over a couple of sociables. And, um, no, I, I and it's funny you mentioned that Sean, cause it, it like, it, it, I, I, in some ways in my, in my hockey circles, um, it hurt me. Um, because you're right. There's, there's that part of the hockey aspect, hockey world, and um, I think once guys got to know me, um, you know, and part of it, I, I ended up being the designated driver. But at first it was um, it was odd. It was weird, um, you know, because I don't know what your your feelings are, but in some ways, alcohol and hockey were synonymous. Um, you know, like like I said, not anything negative, but that's, you know, what you did. And, uh, you know, whether you're playing beer league afterwards or things like that. but. Um, yeah, it's, and, and I know when I was in the National Hockey League, um, you know, there is that, that social aspect. And I think for some people, in a lot of ways, it made them feel very uncomfortable that I, that I didn't drink, that I didn't get involved. I, I wasn't one of the boys. Um, <clears throat> I won't mention the team, but I, but I think it did, it did hurt me that way that I, you know, I, I was kind of a, on, the, on the outside because I didn't drink alcohol, but that was, that's fine. That's, that's, that's me. I didn't have to, you know, and it's something that I work with my clients. You don't have to, uh, you know, like a lot of the kids right now, you know, Minecraft, Fortnite, Call of Duty. Um, I've been really, really emphasizing how much this can have such a huge negative impact on your brain functioning. And just because, you know, Joe Blow across the street is doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Um, and I, and I share my experience and I, and I do, I get a lot of looks like, come on, you've never touched alcohol before. And it's like, no, it's something that wasn't, you know, part of me. I, I would get my, I get my high now by going swimming in mountain glacier lakes <laughs> and, and then the, and the Wim Hof method that I'm doing now, the, the breath work that I do, that's my, my kind of way of, of getting high on your own supply as, as Wim would, Wim would say. <laughs> well, Wim Hof, uh, I've watched your videos of swimming in the lakes and if anyone's tried going into an ice bath before, or even when they had that, uh, Oh, what was it? The ice challenge years back where you, <laughs> yeah, the polar, the polar, the bear. polar plunge. That's right. <laughs> like, uh, like that is a shock to the system and the breathing that comes with it. I can just like remember like vividly, uh, getting in a cold tub and the breathing that comes with it. So it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned uh, synonymous with hockey. I, don't, I, I would agree 100% with you. Um, I think it was Rod Peterson on here. He used to be the former voice of the Rough Riders. And now he's got his Rod Peterson show, actually. And he was saying uh, that he got offered. So he loses his job with the Rough Riders uh, and way with uh, becoming essentially an alcoholic. And 
then he quits being an alcoholic. So he's sober now for uh, many, many wow. years and loses his job with the Rough Riders and gets offered a job with an NHL team. Then they find out that he doesn't drink and they, they basically stop talking to him. And, and then, uh, you know, it, it goes along and, and he talks more about it. I'm not trying to crap on the NHL by any stretch of imagination, just that um, drinking is a way you find out about people, right? It, it kind of lets their guard down and you, you kind of have this, I'm assuming that the cigar room once upon a time was the same the same thing, you know, like it's just like little club. And if you get inside of it and you have a cigar, you kind of, it's a safe space and, and alcohol for a lot of people has become, you know, we've been drinking for a lot of years of the, the human experience and it's uh it's a safe space for a lot of people. Now, does it get abused? Uh, absolutely. Is there a lot of negative that comes with it? Oh yeah. And so for you to, uh, I find it, I just find it unique and I like unique. It's, it's interesting. And there's always a story behind why somebody uh, thinks the way they do. And you're a guy who um, focuses a lot on the brain and how to strengthen it and how to treat it like a muscle that you, you work out and you build it and it takes time. And so I'm, I, I enjoy it and uh, appreciate you sharing about your friend because things like that stick with people for a lot of, a long time. It, it did. It had a huge impact on my life and, and a lot of my friends at the time too. It was, um, I think we were, we were, we were, we were literally shocked and his mom did, you know, mention afterwards, she, uh, she did it purposely. She wanted to send a message to, to, um, young people at that time. This is, this is unfortunately what, what can happen. And, uh, it sure made an impact on my life. Well, I think, you know, I got three young kids and, and I think as soon as you become a parent, you worry about things, even when they're two years old, you're like, man, when they get to certain ages, like, how do you keep them away from X, Y, Z? Like, how, how do you stop them from doing the stupid things that most of us have probably done and survived? And uh, I remember <laughs> seeing a chart, the, the, the death rate um, between, I think it's like for males, it's like 16 to like 22, the death rate just skyrockets. And then it comes way back down. And there's this like window where, man, that, that's tough. And I don't know, that's being a young kid and going and experiencing things. I mean, you start working with, with young kids right away on, on how to strengthen their, I don't know, am I saying it right? Uh, John, when I say yep. strengthen their brain. Absolutely. And on the other side of our clinic, a lot of people don't know, like we have zone psych and then we have zone performance. And on the zone psych, I work with a lot of clinical cases. So anxiety, depression, uh, one of the biggest group of clients that we work with are, are ADHD clients and particularly um, young ADHD clients. Uh, they're because their brain is really looking for stimulation. Um, that's where their brain, literally, it's not them. Their brain is literally more vulnerable, more susceptible to electronics. And you, you've seen, we've, we've seen it at our clinic, um, you know, over the last, since COVID time, um, the increase of screen time has dramatically improved, you know, dramatically increased. And <clears throat> the problem is the next thing you know, um, it, it becomes this vicious cycle, Sean, like um, they, because they're not getting that good, deep restorative sleep, 
you know, parents now all of a sudden, okay, they're giving them, like we just had a, a, a client the other day in our office where mom's giving melatonin, um, but here he is, he's playing three to four hours of Call of Duty before he goes to go to bed. And she did, and it didn't really catch, like um, she didn't, under, oh, like this is the connection. Um, and then my concern as a, as a sports psychologist is where I tried to bring the sports psychology world into the ADHD world. Um, you know, Braden Holpe is probably one of the best clients I've ever had with regards to mental rehearsal. Um, his ability to, to, to visualize and, and literally, you know, see it and move it. I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, and, and I know this may sound like a leap, but when you look at these, you know, Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, um, they're from a first person point of view. And because the brain can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined, um, it's very susceptible. Um, and I'm not saying, I mean, there, it's, there's a great debate out there. Does video gaming, does it cause, you know, more violence? But my argument, Sean, is if you keep seeing that message, keep seeing that message, get, keep getting repeated it to you, um, I think it can start to just um, become part of you. It, 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 like it doesn't, um, you know, when you're seeing people, you know, like I was shocked when I watched this stuff, like people just getting killed and killed and killed, but there's no consequences. But the scary part is, you know, these games, and this is what, and I would encourage all parents and and kids to sit down and watch this program called The Social Dilemma. I don't know if your your family have seen it. Um, it scared the crap the, out of me. Yeah, and, and the thing that, I don't know about you, Sean, but the thing that really blew me away about that show was this wasn't Joe Blow at the bottom of the totem pole at Google. The, this, these were guys that were making, I, I'm sure, a substantial amount of money. And they walked away from it and because of the ethical and the moral dilemma. And I, like, I've had a lot of kids since, you know, we've had, I've watched that show about, I think about a week ago, 10 days ago. Um, and I had no idea, like they, they're, literally pro, they're literally programming us. And so, you know, I want parents to know that um, screen time, especially for ADHD kids and, and in the hockey world, John, like what blows me away, I go around and I do a lot of these, you know, workshops for teams and parents and kids laugh. They, they, they literally, they come on, you, like you, you, aren't you, you're stretching it, aren't you? And, and I think in the next 20 years, like when you were talking about your kids, I think in the next 20 years as a psychologist, I think that's going to be one of the biggest issues that we're going to be dealing with. Um, that's going to have serious, serious ramifications for mental health. Um, and I call it electronics, YouTube, you, you gaming, um, Instagram, TikTok, you, you, you name it, all of that. And I, it, it, it concerns me as, as a, as a, as a parent and as a, as a psychologist. Well, the technology is only getting better too, John, like the VR simulations, Pretty soon you won't, I mean, you go down that rabbit hole, pretty soon you won't be able to, 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 to distinguish um, reality, real walking around here to um, what's in when it, what's in a game. Because as that gets better and you can put a headset on and have an alternate life, I mean, we all joke about, you know, when I was growing up, I'm, I'm in my 30s, 34, by no stretch of imagination am I old. To some 20-year-olds, I'm definitely over the hill, but to most, I'm still a young guy. 
when I was growing up, it was the Nintendo and it was pretty simplistic, right? Like, I mean, you're Mario, you jump over some things. I still remember the Atari uh, and like, just like sim, simple, simple, simple. Now, you know, like we, we joke around, like my oldest brother's 10 years older than me and he'll get playing uh, a baseball game and you can do career mode. Heck, they brought that out probably 10 years ago, right? Where you can have a person in a game and like lead an alternate life that just kind of escapes your life and, and allows you to just go into a game. Heck, and I'm not judging anyone because sometimes you just need to just get need away. to decompress and get away. And video games and social media and everything else are lending that to us um, on a minute by minute basis. And the thing that always scares me about the screen time is your phone now will tell you how much screen time you have. And it can be hours upon hours, and you go, "Oh yeah, that's." And you almost flick it away, like that isn't a big day, a big deal. But it's like, well, it says here that you spent four hours a day on your phone. That's should be alarming. And the research, and the research that I've, I just did a presentation for parents on ADHD on Wednesday, Sean, and all the research that I did leading up to that presentation is anything more than two hours a day um, really makes your brain vulnerable and vulnerable to what um so what happens is um you get these dopamine you get the serotonin you get you get the chemical releases and so you get this hit and then guess what your brain wants more and and then next thing you know it, it it you know and i've had people come on john it's it's a half an hour it's you know and next thing you know, it's it's going up and up and up. And I mean, learning, if you're not getting a good deep restorative sleep, learning issues, um, you know, if you're sitting in front of the computer all day, um, you know, they've shown obesity, um, the blue light, um, you know, <laughs> here I am wearing glasses. Um, they, it has a lot of issues with regards to, you know, vision. Um, there's so many um, issues that research has shown um but the one that scares me the most is and especially for athletes is it produces a lot more slower brainwave activity so if you're going up the level you know and you know this better than anybody from adam double a to peewee double a to Bantamay, well guess what's happening to the game it's getting faster and faster and faster and if you're doing something that is making your brain slower guess guess that, what it's going to be vulnerable translates um, onto the ice big time and so it's to me you know we've got involved with companies now um like neurotracker uh, synaptic reflection all these cognitive perceptual and, and what i would say to any of the kids why don't we do something that's healthy for your brain rather than harmful let's do some something that's going to strengthen your brain whether it be in the classroom or whether it be on the the playing surface um, you know, all the research that I've ever read or come across is, it's like you said, John, you don't get rid of a behavior, you, you replace it with a better, a better choice. And, and that's what I'm trying to encourage kids is just make them, first of all, make them aware of the dangers. And what I got from that social media, that social dilemma, I couldn't believe it, Sean, like, they're literally to the second, you know, monitoring how much time you're on a screen. And then they use it against you. I mean, um, my staff member, she she just joined about a month ago, 
And already within that month, <clears throat> like yesterday, I was on Facebook just to check a campaign that we were looking. And sure enough, her name came up as one of the ad friends. So like with literally within a month, like they, they, they've got information on you. It's, it's almost like for me, you know, I'm 54, <clears throat> excuse me, it's uh, like big, big brother. And it's like, I don't know, it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we've all had the experience. I don't think I don't think anyone in the modern era now with a phone attached to their hip hasn't had the experience where you mention Kellogg's cornflakes, we'll use something really random, and within a day, within a minute, whatever the <laughs> time frame ad, is, you're showing up for that for Kellogg's cornflakes and you're like well, that was weird. But you chalk it up to like, oh, that was just whatever. But the more you go and dig into it and start to, you know, like the social dilemma, the more you start to look at it, you're like, oh, man. Like, but how do you how do you get away from it, right, when the world functions around it now? Well, and the other thing that you, you mentioned, Sean, is um, it's the old cliche or phrase, you know, what you don't use, you lose. And a lot of the schools now are going paperless. And if you're not using this, you're you're gonna your your curse of skills. How good um, are your curse of skills, John? It it got a lot worse. Like it, it has got a lot worse. You know, um, when when I when I had to write the SAT, ACT, the two tests there to get down in the States. One of the t one of the the skills that you had to do on the test was just write a paragraph in cursive. I remember that, and I remember being like, oh. <laughs> "Oh God!" I'm like, uh, "All right," and I wrote it. And I thought, you know, I thought my cursive was pretty poor, but I wrote it all. I mean, it was like riding a bike. I had to rethink about some things. And when I handed it in, that was back in 2006. 2007, one of those two years, the lady said, wow, your cursive is really good. And I remember thinking, if that's really good, imagine what everybody's moving to. Well, now, I, like we had to take cursive by like grade four or five. We were taking cursive every day at a school. Now you talk about paperless. Well, there's no cursive being, uh, <laughs> there's no cursive. Heck, I went to, you know, talk about even more paperless. We went to a, a, a hockey game and they're not using, right now they're not using paper uh, fill out the teams. Everything's by computer, right? And I, I know that's a very small skill. Believe me, that is a small skill. But that's still a skill. And that's still using your brain to write out the teams and know how to put things in everywhere. And automation is great. But you start pulling away all those. I go back to what you said. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. Well, like last, last Monday, we had a soccer team in our cognitive perceptual training room. They're finished. And it's around eight o'clock at night and there's four of them. And we're, you know, bringing this up and take, take a guess how much on an, on average, Sean, each of these 15 year old boys had been on their phone that day. That day, yeah. just that day. Yeah. Two and a half hours. Eight, eight to eight, nine hours. Eight hours. Yes. Oh, and that that's what scares me. And if you're playing soccer, and I know they've got into a lot of these debates about, you know, if you take heading, you know, out of soccer, you're 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 literally 
you know, ruining the integrity of the game. Um, it's, but you combine, like to me, it, you, you're doing something, you know, you're constantly banging your head, and, you know, and there, there's literally days like I, we've had um, female soccer players are more vulnerable to heading than male. And we've had literally coaches where um, they've just done a session that day on heading the ball. And there have been situations that I've seen over the years where girls are coming in the following day with, with headaches. And, and then, then again, now, if you start adding that other piece to it, um, it just concerns me. That, that's, that's the part that, that really, you know, concerns me. So if I heard that correct, what you're saying is by us, uh, using technology for extended periods of time or it now, using us for extended periods of time. Sure. Yes, <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then adding in bumps and knocks to the head, those knocks are becoming more, uh, problematic than before. I believe so. Yes. And, um, I thought, um, Oh, the movie that Will Smith was, it was a concussion. Yeah. Concussion, which is fantastic. You know, when I saw that, I'll be honest, I thought it was going to have more of an impact in the sports world. Um, well, what, what's your thoughts? I, I actually thought it was going to, um, there's too much money. That, that's, that's what I took from the movie. That's what I've taken from everything that you, you want to talk about, whether you're talking politics or you're talking sports. When there's that amount of money involved, that is a big machine. And uh, Will Smith's character, and I'm forgetting the doctor, which is terrible of me, but his character ran into that. And that's what you see throughout the movie. He does very good research, finds out a very troubling thing, but what you know, they're trying. The professional sports is trying. Yeah. But part of the allure to professional sports and sports in general is, uh, you know, football is a physical sport. Hockey is a physical sport. So the old part of me goes, well, what is hockey without hitting? Or what is football yeah. without the bump and crash? I mean, it's, it's kind of archaic, but that's the beauty part of it. But now what you're saying is, is as we rely more on technology, you're going to start to see more and more, or as technology uses us, you're going to start to see more and more of these issues come to the forefront because our brains essentially are becoming, I don't know if it's the proper term, John, but you're saying weaker. More susceptible. You know, you've got that. It literally is, in my opinion, digital heroin. And and the, the, the argument that I had, like, as I, I work with a lot of kids all over the world. And the, the argument that I kept hearing all the time, especially during COVID, is, well, it gives them a form of connection with their friends. And you might, a lot of parents might get angry when I say this, but I literally had this one, one parent where I said, okay, would you willingly let your son or daughter go over to another friend's house, knowing that they were, you know, and we're talking 10 and 11 year old kids, knowing that they were going to smoke a bong, you know, do a bong that day um, because it was going to at least have them, let them have a social connection. And she's like, well, absolutely not. I'm saying that's literally what this is. Like we we've had um, 
it's not uncommon in my office right now, Sean, especially with my ADHD clients where you're hearing six, seven hours a day, you know, um, and, and it was, you know, is that, is that on parenting then John? I, I like, boy, that's a, you know, that's a great question. I, I think, um, cause you were talking about being judgmental uh, to me. I, 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 uh, I'm reluctant to say this, but yes, because I think in some ways, you know, like, if mom knows that that young guy the other day was playing three or four hours of call of duty every day. Right. Um, I think in a little bit, I think um, I'll backtrack a little bit. I think some parents really don't know the ramifications that this can do to the brain. It's so like, come on, it's, it's a video game. It's not that bad, but I think, if all of a sudden the message gets out and, and we let people know, um, you know, how serious this is, but they still choose not to, you know, to do something about it, then that that's to me, um, you know, like I, I always say, like with my presentations, I can't tell you what to do, but what I want to do is give you the best, you know, all the information so that you can make a good informed, you know, choice. But what we have seen it where all of a sudden the electronics now has become a babysitter. Um, and that's where, um, you know, like even if there's a toddler in the grocery store, well, let's give them the device so that'll keep them calm. Well, no, that's a great opportunity to learn emotional self-regulation skills and being able to, you know, teach children how to socially interact in those situations rather than allowing it, you know, this device to, uh, you know, to take over to try to do the work I think that's great work like right from the get-go about how to have social inter social interaction and how to literally interact with uh, the environment and humans you know I, sorry I got off track here no today. no 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 I'm very passionate about this no uh, it's 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 perfectly fine this is what a, a a podcast is all about this is what I love right here I told you I was in my happy place before we started so you can't I love a good discussion. I love learning things. I, uh, I think, I think uh, you mentioned judgmental. So we'll use me as a case in point. I got three young kids, uh, four, four and under. And at times, you know, both myself, and my wife, both work full-time jobs. So you come home and you're trying to put on supper. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. And to flick on the TV, you're absolutely bang on it is a way to grab their attention so you can finish what you need to get done in order to carry on and so i think you know when it comes to what's going on today there's more and more families working two jobs right so you got you got um parents going bo both ways which isn't a bad thing. I'm not knocking on that whatsoever. I think it's great. I think that's, you know, I'm doing it in my life. I, my wife wants to be just as fulfilled as I do in a career and, and trying to chase things. But one of the things that comes at the end of that is it is when you get home and you get your kids there, you have to be pretty in the moment to realize and understand that you can't just turn off your brain give them the TV and that way you get a few moments to yourself. That's what you're, that's what you're getting at because by doing that, you're, you're setting up a lot of failure down the road and you just don't understand it because you can't see it happen immediately. Like that takes 
time. You know, we, you talk a lot about, um, the seven C's, I think it is. And one of them is consistency. Well, what does consistency do over a week? Nah, not really a whole bunch. I mean, everybody's been to the gym where you go to the gym for a week or two, you feel freaking awesome. But if you don't continue to do that, it doesn't compound, right? So you want to lose weight, let's take weight. Or you want to gain muscle, you go to the gym for two weeks, you might lose a bit of weight. Heck, you might feel good. But if you don't continue that trend for the next year, 10 years, that falls off pretty quick. Same thing can be said about a, a TV or a video game or anything. If it's once in a while, the effects, I would assume, wouldn't be so you know, measurable. But when it becomes eight, nine hours a day consistently, month after month after month, I can see where that adds up. And I can see, um, man, that is that is a scary thought. For parents these days, I understand why it's easy, right? Your kid goes downstairs and they're out of your hair. Oh, that's good. They're, they're keeping themselves entertained. But when the entertainment maybe has a very, well, has a downside that we just haven't fully understood yet, I get what you're saying. And I don't think you're taking the conversation away from something you're passionate about. That's, that's what a good conversation is all about. Something that people are passionate about. Well, and, and I think it's, you know, you said you're in mid thirties, I'm, I'm, you know, mid fifties here. And, but what, what I wasn't like you and I have life skills where we can have that self-control and we can step back and, and, you know, monitor our behavior. I think, you know, to ask a 10 year old or an eight year old or a 16 year old to have that. Um, it's, uh, I think you're asking a lot. And that's that. That's that part again. That you're getting those. If people, you know, I, I would encourage anybody to uh, look at Stephen Kotler's work about the the flow, the flow experience, and the type of chemicals um, that are released when you get into that flow state. Um, and that's why, like, it, you know, to be outdoors, you can you can get into that that natural high. Um, and beneficial for the brain um as opposed to you know th that's the part i think a lot of the kids I i've had since they've some of the kids have watched this program i think it, it, they, even now that they're, they're more aware that they, this is what's going on it's still difficult for them john to you know, put that put that device down like the one that we hear all the time at our office is john thank you thank you thank you for making me aware of this but okay what do i do instead now like, you know, so this, I said, what, what would be something that you could do with your friends rather than doing, you know, call, call of duty? Well, I, I'll go ride my bike. And, um, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, this one friend is not allowed to ride their bike. And, and, you know, well, I don't want to go ride a, ride my bike, you know, by myself. And, and it's, then you hear all these different things that come in that we're talking about healthy choices, healthy alternative choices. And then I hear all this, well, that's going to be harder. That's going to be, you know, this, it's going to be that. And so um, that's part of, I'm not an addictionist, you know, an addiction specialist by any means, but these are the kind of things that like you, like you mentioned about your, you and your wife, like <clears throat> in some families, like I know in ours, like for that four, four o'clock, you know, window to six o'clock, no one's at home. Like there might, they're, they're like, because both parents are working, 
and in that four, you know, that two hour window, okay, what, what's going on? Like, you know, and if, if that iPad is, is there, um, it, it's tough. Like it's, it's, it's a really tough, um, dilemma for parents and for the kids. And, and I don't know if there's an easy, easy answer for it. I know, I know for hockey guys, I I've literally seen, you know, in the, in the Western hockey league <clears throat> where guys, you know, like they have the more, the morning skate and I might get myself into a lot of trouble with this, but um, I, I've had kids where they, they haven't had a sip of water, Sean, like not a sip of water from the moment they woke up, they haven't had a sip of water. They haven't eaten anything, but guess how much time they've been on their phone prior to that morning skate. As soon as you wake up. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're going on the ice. Now, am I saying that that's going to cause a concussion? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's, it's making you more vulnerable. That that's what I, and that's not just me. That's what the research is also is showing. And I think, um, you know, it's, I love what the league has done. You know, all the leagues they're, 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 I think they're doing a way better job of, um, you know, managing concussions and all that. But I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be on the, the front end of things in terms of preventing, you know, and, and, and the, the, the media stuff, um, the electronics, I think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Well, a couple of things that come to mind um, is the phone thing specifically with kids you know, you're talking about trying to get them to do different things instead of Call of Duty, that kind of thing. Is it's kind of, it goes kind of back to where we started with the alcohol. The phone thing is kind of, well, social bonding. That's right. And once again, I, I look at my kids, right? And I've watched Social Dilemma, and my wife and I have talked a ton about it. And we don't want our kids to be exposed to any of that, like until they're able to handle it, right? So what's that? I don't know, high school? Well, Imagine the social pressure that's going to come in between those years when the world, everyone's getting an iPad, everybody's got a phone, everybody wants to know where everyone is at all times, blah, blah, blah. So the pressure on them is going to be no different than and uh, what I assume you've gone through with alcohol. The other thing you brought up is okay being by yourself. And I think we all, uh, you know, intro. I'm, I'm a, obviously, uh, I enjoy talking to people, I'm a little bit of an extrovert. I like hearing things, but I think a lot of us struggle, including myself with just being by yourself. I was thinking, uh, it was yesterday night. I took the dogs for a walk and normally I listen to a podcast, an audio book, music. I don't like quiet. I like learning things. I like constantly on the go. And when I started reading about you a couple days ago, you talked a lot about, quieting the brain and, and, and kind of being in the moment. And I went, you know what? I'm going to walk the dogs without anything on. Let's just see how that goes. Right. Like, I mean, and it's, it's a completely new experience and I'm not sitting here saying it was uh, spiritual or transform me, but just to understand how much technology we jam into the brain from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed is, you know, compared to what, I don't know, John, you tell me, is it 50 years ago? I, I certainly know by interviewing um, a lot of the people who 
our community pillars from the Lloydminster area, old farmers where they had no power and an outhouse and right. Like the amount of information we're jamming in our bodies compared to what they did is completely night and day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and you, and you look at those pictures. um, I always love when they show um, kind of the history of the, the the making of Braden Holpe, as I, I might call it. And there he is out in the middle in a farmer's field, skating by himself, just taking a puck and shooting in, in, into a net. Um, it's, um, you're right. Like we, you're seeing, le- I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, Sean, but I, I think we're seeing less and less and less of, of that. Speaking of Braden Holpe, him being a, a hometown hero from our area, Stanley Cup winner, Vesna Trophy winner, now a Vancouver Canuck, which is odd to say. Um, <laughs> you got to work with him from a very young age. And I know in talking with uh, Braden when he was on, oh, a few months ago at least, he was in the bubble at the same time. Uh, he talked about being a young guy and having a temper and, and you helping him along with that. Um, for the listeners from our area, could we talk a little bit about uh, a young Braden Holtby uh, working with uh, working with you and, and the experience of that and what you've seen him grow and develop uh, throughout the years? Where, where do I begin? Um, just unbelievable work ethic. Um, very passionate. Um, wants to make a difference. Um, I think he's going to be a great leader in Vancouver, um, on and off the ice. Um, he just goes about his business, um, for, for Braden, um, you know, one of the C's we talk about mental toughness is coachability. Um, Braden is a very, very coachable guy. Um, there's a lot of guys, in the NHL where, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this because you, you, you play pro is a coach might suggest an idea to them and they, they really, their ego gets up and they get angry. Um, Braden throughout his career, you know, we, we joked about it a long time ago that Braden, you're going to have a lot of, you know, goalie coaches, you know, and what, what did, I think in Washington, he had five, six alone. Um, and what, made him so good as he would take different ideas from different guys, um, you know, off and off on the ice. And that takes a special person to have that openness, you know, and, and Braden, oh my gosh, what an athlete, like what an athlete. And, you know, when Mitch Korn, you know, came in and, and did a lot of, you know, significant changes to have that openness to, to try that, um, uh, to me, that just speaks volumes about, uh, you know, who, who Braden is and, and the work that Scott Murray has done with him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things go with, with Ian, Ian Clark, um, another, another goalie coach. Um, but Braden, you know, when Braden like was so good, I mean, like he was a, like one of the best goalies in the Western hockey league, um, you know, that ability to stay poised, you know, and that ability to stay calm, um, especially when things going well. And um, I think that's where when I showed Braden that 
side, he was open to to work on it. And um, and, and I mean this, like, and I've said this several times when Braden gave me the shout out um, a few years ago. Uh, I honestly was mortified because Greg, Greg did a phenomenal job, you know, teaching him the fundamentals. I mean, I'd never seen like Braden was such a phenomenal skater, um, you know. And so when when I started working with him with the Saskatoon Blades, um, to have that openness to try different things on and off the ice. Um, and we did, I guess days, Sean, where we hadn't, we didn't, we were doing ball drills in the hallways and um, there he is too, you know, like his teammates are gone. They've been home for two hours and there's Braden and Braden, you know, let's do it again, John. Let's do it again. It was like, um, I, I want to like, so in some ways, like his perfectionism was like amazing, but at the same, it was also, he had to learn. Uh, not to be so perfect and, and the hockey's not a perfect and to step back and, and work on that part of his game um, and to have coachability um, that was that's the thing and he's just no that's <laughs> all I can think of is you mentioned about 10 things about Braden and I just think Man, when a kid like that comes along, because not all kids are like that. Like, I even think about myself, right? You, every once in a while, you hear somebody, you know, if you're like five inches taller, you would have been in the show. And it's like, yeah, would I have been? I don't know. Like, I hear the stories. Of, and now, Brayden Holpe is the absolute pinnacle of success in the goaltending world. But when you hear those stories, I go, man, those are special kids. You know, you hear the stories of Connor McDavid and his ability to just like, always play he always wanted to play and he always wanted to train and and most people aren't like that they want to break and i just feel like and you would have saw it firsthand i guess john so maybe the question is when that kid comes along you gotta that must stick out as like man this is going to be special this kid is special well i i was really lucky because when i was in um when i was the goalie coach for the kootenai ice i had brad lau who's the head coach for the oil kings now and then in Saskatoon, I had Dave Struish, and and Dave was, you know, head coach for the Regina Pats. And um, Sean, when you would watch um, Struish, like I would set up these drills with Braden and Struish, and here's Struish, he's in his mid thirties, no knees left, and and um, oh my gosh, the battle levels, the compete levels. Um, like I was so blessed because I had such great assistant coaches at the time that would be, and, you know, Brad played pro hockey, competitive guy. And, you know, here's these teenagers, you know, bring it on old man. And that, um, all I did was set up the drill and then, you know, work on the, the mechanical part, the technical part, but, oh my gosh, it was it, to sit back and watch these, you know, battles, they're like, and that's what made Braden, Braden was so competitive. And he's like, you know, like, and they would make these games, um, like it had nothing to do with me here. I'm sitting, watch, sitting back and I'm watching these guys. And, uh, you know, I remember in Saskatoon, I think I, I would hope, I hope guys have good memories of that, but you know, guys, guys would go down and practice and take a shot on, on Braden. And I'd turn around and I'd uh, say, yeah, I got that at Tim Hortons that this morning, that freaking muffin. 
Um, you know, maybe you, maybe you need to go to the gym a little bit more. And they turned around and did my goalie coach, did our goalie coach just tell me that like, that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wuss. And so now I, I would, you know, do the chirping. I would do, I do lots of chirping in practice and I got, I wanted the guys to go down, um, you know, and, and rip pucks hard. Like I, I had an earlier experience, like, um, I was so blessed, like in being in Edmonton, I, I, I'm not proud to say this, but I, I skipped school one day and I still can't remember how I, how I got, got into the building, but I went down and I watched the Oilers practice. And we're talking, this is when Andy Moog, Grant Fuhr, and all those guys, you know, and you got Curry, Messier, all these phenomenal. I, I don't think it was coincidence that Andy Moog and Grant Fuhr were such great goalies because look who was shooting on them every day, right? Like you, and you got that kind of quality shots. So one thing I always tried to do, you know, when I was coaching in the Western Hockey League was, you know, we would have these fun drills. Like after practice, a lot of the coaches would give us that good half an hour, 40 minutes. And I wanted the forwards to like, just, you know, like we'd have battles. Okay. If you lose, you got to do push-ups. you got to do, you know, um, all this stuff. And we created a lot of battles and, and that's the part, like, for me, you were talking earlier about the, you know, the after, like, that's the part that I miss. I, I really love all those little games and the battles and, and, and again, the assistant coaches. Um, and I don't think it's coincidence that they're, they've went on to be head coaches. Um, they, they just were so passionate and wanting to develop the, the goalies. It was, it was fun, fun to watch. And Braden was so, so responsive to it. One thing I want to ask you about is I've heard you quote uh, Tony Robbins before and saying that uh, success leaves clues. As a guy who has been around a lot of uh, successful organizations, successful uh, athletes, successful people, I mean, you've worked with, if, if I wrote that down right, I think you've worked with the ballet, the army, um, all types of athletes from all different spectrums. Uh, business people, entrepreneurs. So you've got to be around of what I would consider very successful people. Has there been any um, clues left that you've saw or picked up on trends, uh, similarities across, whether it is the person in the Winnipeg Ballet or it's the Braden Holpe goalie? The ability to, to focus, the ability to be in the moment. Um you know, and again, all the research shows now that when you get into that flow state, when you get into the zone, um, being able to focus, be be one hundred percent absorbed into what you're what you're doing, that's been whether you're a surgeon, fighter pilot, uh, hockey player, um, that just one hundred percent absorption has been. Um, you know, the Elon Musk, like, obviously, I've never met the man, but, you know, from the moment he wakes up to the moment when he goes to bed, which I think is like four hours of sleep from what I've heard, but he's just so, like, so present. That, that's been the, the characteristic that I've seen. And, and that's one of the reasons why um, I got into mindfulness, because they've shown that, you know, mindfulness is, is literally weight training for the brain. And it can be, I hate this term now because everybody's using it, but a uh, a hack, like it can be a, a brain hack to allow people to, you know, get, get more present, more into, into the moment. Um, so that, that's been the common denominator that I've really seen over the, you know, the last decade. And, and that's one of the things that, um, 
that's why I teach meditation. Um, and, and, you know, you're, you look, I, this is the first time I met you. You look like a big, strong, you know, burly guy. And, and you, you turn around and say, you know, hey, uh, Sean, I want you to just go sit in the corner and just get quiet. And you have to show that guy why that would be, you know, like, because I always ask my guys, you know, like when they're playing hockey, what do you do all this training for? You know, whether it be power skating in the gym, cognitive, perceptual, mental, whatever it may be, what do you do all this training for? And and I always get the answer, well, to get better. And you and, just stole the words out of my head to get better. Right. And that's true, but that's not the main reason. Like, if you go back and think of some of the best games you played that night, Sean, like in throughout your career, and if you came off the ice and I'm interviewing you and I'm saying, hey, Sean, what were you thinking about tonight when you were playing? 99% of the time, guess what your answer is going to be? I wasn't. I was just doing what I do. I was skating, shooting, passing, just do what I do. And so to me, when athletes are playing their best, when anybody's doing their best, and they've actually shown this now, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex goes offline. It, you get into this quiet, quiet mind. And like you just mentioned the other night, just taking, taking the dogs for a walk. I would argue you were in that flow state. And that's that's one of the things that I do a lot now is teaching clients how to get into that 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 type of practice. And it is a practice, um, a daily practice. It's uncomfortable to at sometimes monitor your thoughts. I uh I do it now. I started this podcast, John, back in February 2019. And I remember I used to listen. I used to do one episode a week and I used to listen to every episode because I want to get better. I still want to get better. Um, and what I couldn't get over was how often I didn't listen to the guest. And what I started doing, and I st- I, it's already happened to me probably five times since we started, is I got, I got, a, I got, a, separ- I got a separate screen, right? So in theory, if we ever get bogged down, we're, all of a sudden we're not talking anymore. I can go, Oh, uh, let's pick a topic and away we go again, right? But I've found, and I could be wrong, there's only been a couple of guys who have proved this theory wrong, is that if you're in it, like you're talking about, be in the moment, you're going to pick up on something and let that actually, and the problem I got now is when I listen to people, I get too many ideas. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) right? And it's trying to just declutter that so that you get down, but being in the moment, ah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's awesome. It's hard to do all the time. It's hard. To, I, and maybe it's impossible to do. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, um, to be in the moment and be engaged, uh, I, I completely get that. that that's been the common denominator that I, that I've seen. Is that they're engaged. They know how to just like focus in. Yep. Ah, that's, that's cool. That. Well, I don't want to hold you here all day. We got the final little piece here that I do with all my guests. It's the Crude Master Final Five. A shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald, um, sponsors of the podcast since the very beginning, believers in the podcast since the very beginning. It's just five quick questions, longer or short as you want to go. I got no time frame, Um, but I, I want to get you back to your Saturday and Halloween and everything else. So if you could recommend one book to the listeners or to myself, what, what's one book that's, uh, um, caught your attention lately or in the past i will uh can you see can you see that sean breathe golf yes um the 
one thing I love about this this lady, she's from the UK. Um, because I, I get a lot of my hockey players. This is interesting. More and more, more guys, Sean, are getting open to meditation. But you'll hear, okay, I'm going to pull out my insight timer. I'm going to pull out calm. I'm going to pull out headspace. And I have, I have one American Hockey League goalie. And he says, Johnny, I got it. I, I do this already. He says, I use my headspace every day. But the problem is with that is what are you going to do? Like pull out your headspace in that moment and say, wait a second, guys, I got to do my meditation. No, like what you want, in my opinion, I, I think guided meditations initially are good because it helps it, you know, helps the client, makes it easier. But you eventually want to get it to the point where you can do it anywhere, anytime, any place on, on your own. So for me, um, the Breathe Golf she and it sounds even if you're not a golfer, you can take this. If you were a surgeon, you could read this book and take the principles from it and apply it to. You could take it and apply it to your 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 podcast. Um, so I, that's and and it's she's taking ancient ancient wisdom that has a science you know ground, grounded in science now. Um, so that that's one of the things that I really love about the, that book. Um, I, I will gladly pick up a book. I love, uh, I love a good new book. So if you're suggesting it, I'm going to have to sit down and read it now. Um, if you could sit and do this where you sit across from another guy, one guy and pick their brain, like I'm picking your brain, is there a guy you'd like to do that with or gal for that matter? Um, Greg Norman. Who is Greg Norman? He was a pro golfer. He was the, uh, the the great the great the, the white shark great white shark. Oh, okay, that's a new one. Okay, you know, like, he uh, the I was uh, like to me to watch uh, Nick Faldo and and what Dave led better. I was a huge golfer, like huge golfer, and I, I in fact I this is gonna sound bad. I was more of a golf a more passionate golfer than I was a hockey hockey guy. And um, you know when Greg Norman had the epic collapse at the Masters. And how that could that that event could single-handedly, you know, not just your your sporting life, but your life, um, and and how how mentally resilient Greg Norman was to that that that's something I would love to hear how he was, you know, res, you know, in my opinion, from what outside, like you know, didn't let that get to him. Uh, that's a guy I'd love to interview. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh how about someone you'd like to work with? If you could pick a golfer, uh, current uh, athlete, or anyone uh, across the spectrum that's currently out there uh, making things happen, is there someone that uh, you'd like to, you know, sit down and and work with them? Oh boy, that's a that's a great question, Sean. Um, I love working with young goalies. I really, I really, I love, um, so any of the new up and coming, I know that's going to sound vague, but any of the new up and coming young goalie, like, like Carter hearts, like who've got that, that passion, that drive, they, they really want to make a difference. So I, I can't mention his name on the air, but I've got a guy right now that, that I, I love working with him. Um, he's, he's, he really works on every area of his game. So I, I love, you know, any of those goalies that are, 
I would say 16 to, you know, 24. I, I love, they, they really want to get to that next level. I, that's my ideal client. I love working with guys like that. And it's fun. It makes your day a, a lot of fun. Well, if you could speak, if we got a, if we have goalies listening right now, young goalies, if there's one piece that they could, a piece of advice from you that you could give them um, to work on, maybe say their mental game, what would be one piece of advice you'd give them? Well, it was interesting. I, I just watched the podcast the other day, Lyle Mast, um, unbelievable goalie coach, um, does a lot of work with head trajectory. Um, it, it's a very foundational piece of goaltending. Um, and here you got, I think there was 20 young guys at this you know, symposium. They, they did it virtual. Um, I bet you there was guys, Sean, that walked away going whatever. But I, I would say have an open mind because you're, you're gonna, if you're a 10 year old goalie it, nowadays, like, you know, when I did it, like I maybe had one or two goalie coaches and that was it there. There's, you know, like if a young guy starts at eight or nine and if he does get to pro hockey, he might have 10 to 12 goalie coaches in that time, especially when you go to these hockey Canada, you got all these great goalie coaches coming. And that's what I would say to anybody. Just, you don't have to you don't have to do everything everybody's asking you to do but just have an open mind to hear different ideas and different suggestions whether it be physical technical tactical mental and uh, you know not to try to do a plug but in goal in goal magazine that's the one thing i love about uh, hutch and kev they've literally assembled all the best um coaches in the world or nutritionists anything to do with goaltending um to to not go in, and, and I know there's pro there's pro goalies. This is that's what I love about it. There, there's pro goalies that go in and listen to those podcasts because they still, you know, there there's guys I can't, again can't mention names, but they're in their 30s and they're still listening to that because they have that openness. They park their ego and they say, yeah, I, I want to just get better. Whatever I can do to stop more pucks, um, I, that's what I would say is having that openness, that coachability. That's a good lesson for anyone. Anyone, it doesn't matter whether you're 30, 20, or 80. You want to get better every day. Um, constant, constant, never-ending improvement. Can that's I? That's right. That's right. Um, your final one, a fun one, because you mentioned Wim Hof at the start. Where's the craziest place that you've uh, Wim Hofed, done the Wim Hof method of getting in cold water? Um, are you familiar with Edith Cavall in Jasper? I can't say I am, but I'm going to look it up on a map like immediately. Um, there's a glacier, um, Angel Glacier. It, it's, oh my gosh, it's it's hauntingly beautiful. Um, there, I, I literally did the Wim Hof this summer in, in the Glacier Lake. Um, it was minus eight, the water. And um, I went in there for five minutes and to be in that glacier water was absolutely, um, yeah, it was, it was spectacular. It was amazing. Can I ask, what is it about the Wim Hof method that, uh, is attracted to attracted you to it, but then on top of it, like kept you going, like what, what was it? I mean, I'm assuming you like the, the, the mindset of what it's about, but after dunking yourself in cold water over and over and over again, what is it? What is it about that experience that has just obviously made you a huge fan of it? Um, 
there, there's several things like from a physical point of view, I have um, just all the years playing hockey, I've had many knee surgeries. Um, so when you're in the water, um, you get this analgesic. Um, it, it's really helped me to manage my arthritis a lot more. Um, that, that's one of the things. Um, in Alberta, we have so many beautiful glacier lakes like Lake Minnewanka, Upper Kananaskis, um, Five Lakes. So just like you were saying, Sean, the other night when you were walking your dogs, like, um, so when you're in those lakes, you just, that absorption, like it's, you're, it's a meditative, you just feel the only way, and I'm not going to do it justice, is you just feel so alive. Um, and for me, um, like I'm, I will go out in my backyard today and I'll go sit in the cold tub and you just get into this quiet mind. Um, it, it, there's just because you're so into your body, um, you're, you're so into your senses. That's one of the things that I've loved about the Wim Hof is you literally get into your, your, your senses. And then I've been really blessed. Um, there's a, a company in Calgary called One Breath, um, Vincent and Leanna Krauss. Um, you should, I think you should have them on their, on your podcast. Um, and the one great thing about their workshops is this sense of community. I, I, it's one thing to do the breath work when you're doing it by yourself, but when you go to these workshops and you're surrounded by people now, obviously with COVID, but when I've done these workshops in the past and you hear the, the energy level, um, and again, it's hard to describe in words, but that kind of bonding and community um and when you like i've been blessed my girlfriend she will like lake wabaman is like 25 minutes away and uh that when you share that experience with people it, it's 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 truly amazing so i've been and and when you get people it's so fun like our our, our, our like my our two girls um we we like we love to go to nordeg and um both of them went in the river this year. Like one of our, our 11 year old girl, Sophia, she floated down the river with me and she was terrified, but absolutely um, exhilarated. And, she, and you could just see her confidence level. So for, for me, when um, I've had a lot of great experience personally, but when you see these transformations in people, it's a little bit, maybe, I don't know, maybe like the fire walk that Tony Robbins does or bursting through the panel. When you've been at these workshops and you see, like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do, no, 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 and all of a sudden you're like, and you see this power, like you just see this unbelievable power come through people. It, it's it's cool to watch, man. <laughs> it's fun. So the word shock comes up to to mind, like it's shock mindfulness. It forces you into your body because if you've ever sat in a cold tub and I know, I think I talked about this right off the hop, <laughs> you can't think of anything else, but the, what you're doing and why on earth are you doing it? Cause it's not an, the, the first time, at least the first time for me, I don't know if the word enjoyable would be used. The feeling after like coming out of the cold tub and how it made your body feel was amazing, but actually forcing yourself in there and having to sit through and I can't even remember three, five minutes, whatever it was, man, the, the, the feeling your feet get is, 
you, you just can't recreate that. So I, I it's uh, to me, it, it reminds me of of like shocking yourself into um, going inwards because you have to. Uh, like, there's no choice in the matter. Well, and I think people learn um, a lot of times with anxiety and depression. Sometimes people don't want to feel that, and so they push away from it. And the one thing with the cold water is you start to mentally, physically, in every aspect, you learn to be with it. Uh, and the more you're accepting of it, acknowledging of it, knowing that it's when you know what goes up must come down. And when you can just be with it, that's um, that's when I see I've seen huge, huge breakthroughs. Um, you know, like and, and and I would encourage anybody like I mean, there's. I've been in cold lakes for half an hour. I, I don't encourage anybody to go into Abraham Lake in Nordig for half an hour, but I, I literally started two, just over two years ago. I started with 15 seconds of a, of a cold shower, 15, literally 15 seconds. Um, and and I, I would just encourage, like, I, I love when I see kids doing this because they, they learn how to break through barriers. And, and the beauty thing again, going back to what we started talking about now we're that's a healthy alternative to sitting there playing call of duty and you can learn about yourself and you can be in nature and you can be in the out of doors and just have this um beautiful experience you know um where it doesn't cost you a cent <laughs> well i tell you what that's one heck of a way to end an episode because I, I i agree with what you're saying and it makes me want to rethink my wim hof ex couple of experiences where you uh <laughs> it's a shock value man but um before i let you go uh how can people find you john uh you want to give your if you're on social media website that kind of thing yeah so um we are our, our company's called zone performance psychology um there's two branches there's uh, our one website is zoneperformance.ca and that's more the performance side of things. And then on our other, our clinical uh, for concussion rehab, anxiety, ADHD, depression, migraines, um, it's zone, zonepsych.com. Um, we're on Instagram. Uh, our phone number is 780-803-5646. Um, we offer free consultations. Um, we want to let people know what we do and what we're all about. And, uh, Again, I can't thank you enough for for allowing me to be on the podcast today. Well, no, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been an, an enjoyable hour. So, thanks again, and uh, enjoy your Halloween. And hopefully, we'll talk soon. Okay, take care. Thank you so much. Hey, folks, thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.